0: Episode 50 of Gaming and BS, sponsored by Dark Theater.net. Welcome to Gaming and BS, the tabletop RPG podcast where we talk about tabletop RPGs and miscellaneous topics of geekery.
1: I'm one of your hosts, Sean. And I'm Brett. Welcome back, folks. And hello to episode 50.
2: Woo! 5-0! 5
1: As I said before, people told us it shouldn't be done, but by, you know, fuck that, we're going to do it anyway. So here we are, episode 50. Pretty
0: Holy cool. cow, what a journey.
1: <laughs> just, just the setup for this episode itself. Had you been able to be a part of the pre-episode setup, you would have been very impressed. It was very nice. I am drenched with sweat as we speak. You don't want to know what from, but it was good. It was a good, it was a good setup. It's, it's, um,
0: meatball stew over here. <laughs> nice.
1: <laughs> yes. It's that kind of class that just, uh, it brings us together.
0: Whoop All right, Sean. Whoop.
1: So shall we get going? Hey, announcements. What have you done?
0: I propose the Patreon reward levels to Brett. And when you hear this, it will be in place. Brett. Neat. Brett. Yes. You have to look at them and make sure you can do what I've. Well, ta- I
1: don't see why I can't do what you said.
0: Well, one of them is um, that you, if, when we complete an episode, one of the reward levels is that you have to send them the pair of underwear that you wore during the recording of that episode.
1: I go commando when I record though, dude, this is going to be very uncomfortable.
0: Well, in that case, we have to update that reward level to the sweaty. No, let's just,
1: let's just update. Shorts. In general. <laughs> I'm going to run out of either underwear or shorts. This is not good. And
0: that's at the $1 level, folks. It's at the $1 level. Oh.
1: <laughs> I don't want to, I don't think I can afford either ethically or personally what you're going to have at the $5 level, given that. Cool, though.
0: Yeah. Random encounter. We're going to skip this week because we have some other plans in store.
1: It's episode 50. I mean, there's some really good stuff out there. We've had some great emails yes. and other things. And people, we want to save some time because we did have some folks do the whole um, drop us a line, you know, give us some uh their thoughts on episode 50 audibly. So we're going to have some time to play that at the tail end, and we don't want to stomp all over that and then drag this longer than it needs to go.
0: And Brett has not heard any of the voicemails.
1: No, I have not. I have. So I'm prepared to be shocked and delighted and probably appalled. I but think hey, you're
0: going to be quite impressed.
1: I will be impressed. Oh, neat.
0: Yes. Thanks for sending them in, everybody. We appreciate it. Absolutely. So, yeah, we got a good topic this week. We'll get into that, but before that, let's get into a word from our sponsor, shall we? I think so. All Do right. it once. All right, here we go. In three, two,
3: I'm Phil from Misdirected Mark, and I'm Chris from Misdirected Mark, the podcast which is slightly less amazing than gaming and BS.
2: Carrying all these dice in my hands, plus all this beer and cheese. To take to my awesome gaming group in northern Wisconsin is hard. There must be a better way.
3: Fear not, Phil. The show's sponsor, Michael Allhauser of Great Odd Dice Bags, makes awesome bags for dice.
2: Wayne the Ewok told me you could run one over with a motorcycle and your dice would still be
3: ready to roll. Those guys would know. They also have the dual drawstring and you can get custom colors and art printed on your bags. Like a misdirected Mark logo? That's right. So head over to www.etsy.com backslash shop backslash grade out or check the link in the show notes and use the gaming mbs promo code to get a 10% discount on your order dude what the hell is up with that that was you've st- been a- marked oh. oh hey they hijacked our feed those dirty <laughs> bastards spies you know spies like us that's what we do spies <laughs> like you
1: Happy fiftieth! Oh, thank you, boys. Thank you.
3: We were going to call in, but
2: then we just thought we would just get on the mics.
3: Phil, what did you say? A fifty episodes of gaming MBS is like a third of misdirected, Mark? Yeah, it's oh, like a, it's, it's like a one third. Well,
0: it is but, a third. I mean, we're actually less than a third. Yeah, true. <laughs> I wasn't even a full time host by episode fifty. That's that's true. Man, it took that long to find Phil's Phil's talent.
3: <laughs> it just it took Phil that long. It took me that long to uh, to uh, to find our. Well, Mark had to quit first and then I could bring Phil on.
2: <laughs> he had to have a baby. That <laughs> yeah, was what he, that happened. That that's what killed him. So well, congratulations
3: was... on 50. That's a whole year of podcasting together. And you guys are still still there. And a lot of podcasts fade out after 10. So I'm I'm rather impressed. The Plus second... you guys you guys work together and
1: podcast. Like
2: Yeah, right. That's like a lot of time spent together.
1: It and is. My my wife has started to wonder what, what I'm doing. Kind <laughs> of you spent a lot of time. Yeah, and you ride motorcycle with him? What you you just spent in eight hours with Sean. What's going on? I hear that from time that,
2: to time. That is not unlike uh, that is not unlike my wife and, and my house because Chris at this point almost has a key just to yeah. let himself in. It's just it would be easier if I just gave him a,
1: a second key so he could get in. Which this. is at least at this point you could give him a mop and a bucket. So when your basement floods, you could get him. You could. Oh work. man,
3: Maybe. I've helped with that.
1: Yeah, have you?
2: <laughs> yeah, the first <laughs> time it was in the middle of a game when it flooded.
1: Ay ay ay.
0: The scars are on deep. <laughs> So what do we
3: got on for the, right. for the rest of the year? So evening?
0: I have I have an intro to our topic that has nothing to do with our topic. Okay. But it's it the, is for the 50th. Okay. All right. Uh, so so I obvi- obviously did not think this through at all.
1: But it's episode 50. It pertains there. So it's pertinent to episode 50. Yeah. It's
0: kind of like a, an homage to us, kind like, right. of, to, to anybody who's had 50
1: uh, episodes. Of like Mr. Ect okay.
0: and Mark. Like they've done three 50 episodes. On their way to uh, 200. Yeah, we're getting close. You ready for this remix?
1: Lay it on me, bro. All right,
0: man, let me drop
1: drop
0: the beats.
1: This is Kevin. Actually,
0: K. that is not the one I wanted. Oh, here we, go. here we go.
1: Oh. There it comes.
2: I feel like that's how you do it if you have a bike. I don't know. Those guys know. Baby, got
3: you on that. My, my- Conversation was excellent. Yeah, it was. Yeah, it was very good. I I was. It was extremely um, engaging. I was very, very. I enjoyed it very much. This afternoon.
1: Nice. All
0: right. There you have it. <clears throat> that was awesome. Thanks, Chris. At,
2: at what level of the Patreon uh, campaign does Sean compose a rock opera?
1: Ooh.
0: Ooh.
2: I like that.
1: See, that's what we got to get. We got to get Chris to like, he and Sean to like meld into this rock opera gamer <laughs> thing. That's what we need.
0: You know, that's- as one of the reward levels, I did put that, uh, The uh, I'll put the stinger up there for people to down- for people to download. Oh, that's cool. Oh, nice. So they can have it. But I don't. I don't want
3: to get in trouble either. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. That I was thinking like that might be a little bit of slight copyright infringement. So
0: I think if you keep it under thirty seconds, it's fair use. Uh, I
1: don't know. I'm not a lawyer, but man, eh. we we know one. Well,
3: <laughs> yeah. what's, what's the worst that can happen? You know, you just get a cease and desist.
1: Right. Yeah. Hey, exactly. I'll take it. It's down. like a badge of honor. They'll sue me. Exactly. They'll sue me for all the money we don't have. There That's you right. go.
3: So,
0: Brett, you want to introduce the topic? Oh, hand.
1: Yeah, I figured, you know, if we've got Chris and Phil here, and Sean and I talk Game Master, Game Master, Chris and Phil talk Game Master all the time, I figured, <clears throat> excuse me, we should step back for a second and say, you know what, if I'm at my table, I mean, this comes back to everybody giving me shit for, you know, I've got this ultimate gaming group, right? But what makes the a decent player at your table? Either yourself, what do you think you try to bring? You know, what are you working on? And if you've got someone, I don't necessarily want to go down the whole, you know, Jimmy sucks and he's disruptive, or this person always steals all the limelight, that type of thing. But just what what makes a good player? When we're sitting there and you're game mastering and you look across the table and like, I want that guy back at my game. I'm gonna run an invite only game. It's Chris, Phil, and Sean because those cats bring it. You know, what what <clears throat> what's in that they bring it category? So that's what I'm looking for.
0: Yeah. I know what a bad player is. Yeah. yeah, you look it's at like, me when you say that, dude. He's like six four, a guy has a goatee and some tattoos, oh. and rides motorcycle. Oh, it's not you though, dude. It's somebody else, man. It's
1: somebody else who looks just it's like me. Totally, him. somebody she's
0: else. He's a little, little passive aggressive deflecty over there. <laughs> it's what. It's the chemistry. <laughs> it's what
2: happens at fifty, man. <laughs> Shit <laughs> falls <laughs> apart. It's <Yeah>. a <laughs> power <laughs> struggle.
0: <laughs>
1: we're like
0: we're like the band that's been together for twenty years that just wants to kill each other.
1: Sorry. Well, I did scare two interns the other week at work. So hey, I gonna... <laughs> players,
0: good players.
1: <laughs> All right. So, Sean, I'm going to throw it at you first. Um, when you've got players at the table, what are you expecting them to bring? When they come to the table, what are you expecting them to bring?
0: Their character, dice, and a
1: pencil. That's it? You don't care? Bad attitude? Don't care? I mean, I anything the, specific? With
0: the groups that I play in, man, I got to set the bar somewhere. <laughs> <laughs> nice. <laughs> Hey,
2: I, I mean, I've seen cases where not all three of those things arrive at the table. Ah, see?
1: <clears throat> okay. All right. So very, the ultimate basics. Hey, all let's right.
0: start out with, yeah, let's go <laughs> here, start That'd here, and then we'll get guys. to Phil. And like, Phil yeah. you know, and Chris will be like, this is what we expect. And I'm like, well. <laughs> no, man, Chris Chris shows
2: up and forgets his dice. All the time.
0: So, and a pencil.
2: And a, dice well, and a pen. well, it doesn't
0: matter if you're the GM
1: because you don't need dice. Hey, hey we learned that. Thank
3: you. Thank you, Sean. Appreciate that. that. <laughs> Just so run, from just run apocalypse roll games. You know well, there guess?
1: you go. I was going to say just run dungeon roll, like whatever. They <laughs> still need a couple d sixes.
3: No players. Uh do. you can you can just have the players roll their own damage on themselves mm, and their I'm own sure. dice. Nothing's more satisfying than watching players have
2: to roll their own damage. Oh, did you get a twelve? <laughs> oh, that's that's rough.
1: <laughs> wow, you screwed yourself, Jim. Ah, <laughs> lovely. Yeah. So I will tell you what, if I'm gonna, I'll, I'll kind of kick this out in the direction I'm, I'm hoping to take this thing. Is <clears throat> one of the things for me is that that I love in my group is they really get into their role. So one of the things that the guys do, we've we talked on this show and, and uh, Sean had to talk about this over lunch, the whole concept of like character backgrounds and all that stuff. And the guys and women I play with, when we sit down, you know, we've got that little bit of bullshit like we did here, but then they get into it, like, all right, <clears throat> boom, dice are set. Soda's out chips where it belongs. Okay, let's go. And they really kind of dive into it. And, the rest of the world just kind of fades away and they really kind of get into that character and into the role. And to me, that's because I'm only able to do it a couple times a month and we do it for prolonged periods of time, you know, six, eight, ten hours at a crack, depending what, what we're happening to be doing. It, I, you've got to be in it. It's kind of that in it to win it attitude, right? If you're in there, you've got to be ready to game. You got to show up to game. We've had people that have said, Hey, I'd like to play with you guys, but they're too casual from the way my group operates, like, yeah, I, I don't think they can handle six hours. I, I don't think they can make it. So if you're not going to get into your role from my group's perspective, like, yeah, you're not, you're not welcome here. Chris, what do you think about that?
3: Uh, I think that is an excellent tip. I also think I want players who are willing to engage with other players at the table and make story happen at the table between the players, not just between whatever the game master is laying down and whatever the the player and the character tend to want to do. So, uh, I mean, Uh, Because that can create opportunities for for play. So that's what good players do. They create opportunities not just for the game master, but also for the other players at the table.
1: It's kind of that you don't want 500 Wolverines, right? Where they're all the best there is at what they do, but they're a loner and they don't talk to anybody.
3: Well, it's even more than that because... Uh, I mean, you can still be playing the game like you can be playing D&D and the rogue can be doing rogue things and the fighter can be doing fighter things. and Everybody can be playing their role, but they don't necessarily have to to always interact with each other. Everybody can just do their job. But when the story starts flowing, like, oh, yeah, I remember when I met your sister that one time in that bar. And then the fighter is like, huh, that, that now the fighter might have a sister that they didn't have before or the fighter can can, you know, block it and be like, I don't have a sister. And then then the rogue can be like, hmm, I wonder who that person was then that said well, that was your sister. And then the game has to be like, I'm going to run with that and they've just added something to the story.
1: <laughs> I like that. I've done, th- I did that actually last, uh, <clears throat> my D and D five E game I'm running. One of the things that, that we did was I kind of went around and someone had the opportunity to throw at another character because it just, it absolutely fit. Like, well, remember that time and they had a little bitty story that went with it. And I looked at the player because I'm like, I don't know if they're going to go with it. And they just, the eyes lit up. They went totally and they just dug into it and ran with it. It's now it's a, a piece of that storyline.
3: Yeah. That's cool stuff. Things also provides more engagement for the players that are playing the game because now they've, they've made something that is existing in the world and the Game Master has sort of given them authorial control.
1: So, Phil, what I'm hearing Chris say, and I'm going to throw this at you now, is the cool piece here is that it's player-specific. This, this concept, you can have that Wolverine character, right? So Chris corrected me there. I mean, you can have as many Wolverines at the table as you want, but it's players if you're willing to come together and throw stuff at each other. If the four of us are playing and Sean's running and Chris hits me with that, I don't have to be the asshole that says I'm sorry. My character doesn't allow me to talk to you, right? It's player to player. Is that right? So, what what do you think? What 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 does that bring to your head?
2: Yeah, I mean, I think one of the things that a responsibility of players is that players have to figure out before the game starts how they're going to all play as a group. So we know that we're playing. We know we're playing a role playing game. We know we're playing a game where. Uh, everybody's going to be part of a group, an adventuring party or, you know, a crew of thieves or something like that. So you can't show up and be like, oh, I'm totally antisocial and I don't talk to people. And, you know, I'm, I'm just going to be a giant pain in the ass all night. You, you have to, as a player be like, all right, look, I do want to make this Wolverine like character, but even Wolverine gets along with the X-Men. So the you know, the, it's on the player to say, all right, look, I want to play this kind of antisocial character, but, I, you know, I like give me some ideas of how I'm going to hook into the group and, you know, I'll I'll compromise a few pieces of my initial idea because, you know, we need to be a whole, we need to be a whole group. Otherwise it's not going to go anywhere. So, I mean, I think that's a big part of it. Like you can play the kind of character you want to play, but you're also playing for the table and you have a responsibility uh, to everyone else in the group not to, I mean, essentially not be a dick and ruin their fun.
3: Yeah, uh, understand that fun, whatever that version of fun is, is everyone's responsibility at the table to everybody else, not just the game master.
1: Sean, what are you thinking? I, still. Try, I
3: really try not to at times.
0: <laughs>
1: <laughs> Sean still has a serious down from his technical problems earlier.
0: I'm I'm shaking, man. I failed my shaking roll. <laughs> Spend touch. a Benny. Spend yeah. a Benny, oh, You'll be sure. fine. Yeah. plink. Plink. Uh, I think the the uh, well the thing is with players is I don't know I don't there's some that may not know what they're able to do or how to interact with each other. It always seems not always. Let me rephrase that: is that they want to they interact with the GM and they kind of do it with the players, but it's always table talk with players.
1: So you talking so, in character versus? Well, you know, what do I What's the rule? What do you? What are we?
0: If you're in a situation. If you're in a situation, oh, so you paint the picture as a GM, and and then the players have to come to a decision. They do the decision between the players,
3: and then they act it on the characters. Well, they don't. You don't have to play that way. No, I mean, you people, don't. People do play that way, and I, I get what you're saying. Yeah, it, it just takes one person at the table that's on that that is trying to play the game in a, in a slightly different manner, like in the more uh, the the more interactive manner. Like you turn, like having a, somebody turn to another player in character and be like. Hey, let's go over to this, let's go over to this place over here. Like for one, for instance, I was playing in a Deadlands game and, or not Deadlands, a six gun game, Savage Worlds. And I was like, let's go over to the, we were at a carnival. And I was like, Hey man, let's, let's go check out the, uh, the, the, the girly show because maybe that might provide some leads. And it got a little bit of a laugh because there was the girly show. And it seems like it was the least possible place to get a lead, but it provided another avenue for that character to show the character they interacted with to show that, like they were either uncomfortable with that or were all about that situation. And I did that from the player's point of from a, from a, a player at the table rather than from the game master spot. Okay.
1: The other thing I found from a game master's piece to help kind of force that out for me anyway, is that if, if the three of you guys are playing at my table and you're talking, well, my guy does this, then what I'll do is kind of Ed Greenwood talked about this at uh, game hole last year where he's, it's a similar trick that a lot of us use is like, I will then be the NPC that Chris is trying to interact with. I will speak as, as the NPC. It's not like the, the Barker says to you X, it's like, so step right up, only a dime, whatever it is. It's I'm in that and I go for it. And even if you as the player are uncomfortable in that, I don't want to be pretend actor man role. I don't, I'm not comfortable there. I'm interacting with you that way. And I think that helps to draw some of the players out who might, not especially like a con game or something, because they're going to look at it and go, is this is this a safe place? Is this somewhere? Can I really do this here or not?
3: We're both shaking okay. our heads. Yes, yeah. I'm gonna, I'm no. just, yes. Yeah,
2: James, this is good. Uh, no, And that, and that's the thing. Um, Chris and I talk about this uh, from time to time. We talk about different levels of the game. And so I there's like
1: for th- a my, my wife just came back. And because of Wisconsin, I have smoked meat and cheese delivered to me. So this is these are Cheese curds and sausage. We're just delivered to me. So I, so I, so I wanna I wanna
2: make some sort of stereotypical oh. statement, but I, I may it perhaps it's just true.
1: Oh, that was awesome.
2: Is there any way to sign up for like a Wisconsin care package? Like, you know, is I think, there I know? think we
1: might have to do something come Christmas. I think we might
2: it's have like, to
3: help
1: help you brothers out.
3: It's like loot crate, right? Except it's Wisconsin crate? Yeah. Like, kinda. It's just like cheese and smoked meat. <laughs>
2: sorry. And, and a bow. You had a no, bow sorry. as well. And a bow, yes. Yeah. I'm oh. sorry,
1: I totally interrupted you there.
2: No. All right. So what I was saying was, uh, Chris and I like often talk about, uh, levels in a game. So uh, there's the character level where everybody's actually playing in character. They're, they're talking through their characters, things like that. Um, and then from time to time, you, you move up a level back to player level where you have the players talking about, uh, things and kind of, you know, it's sometimes resolving things or making plans. And then you get like, like it basically just goes back and forth. So, there's times where you're down in the character level and then you kind of come back up into the player level. And then there's, you know, levels above that. There's like the kind of group level where, um, you know, Chris and I often talk about uh, games that are like writer's tables. Yeah. So, you know, we, we spend some time at the character level, uh, but then kind of shoot back up into that, into that um, group level where we're kind of we're directing like, all right, well, how do you think that scene's going to end? Or, you know, Oh, you want to drop in an extra character, an NPC or something? That sounds great. Let's do that. Now let's go play it out. Mm -hmm. That kind of thing. So, yeah, I think when you're talking about players, it's um, it's okay not to always be in the character level. Like as long as you're engaged with the game, you know what's going on, you're following the story. And when it's your turn, you can kind of jump in and do stuff. Whether you're, you, you, you know, it's really a table preference. Do you want to keep everybody at character level? Do you want to let people bounce up and down between levels? Those kinds of things.
0: One one thing that I don't see um, coming from players, which would be nice. So there's been a few instances where if I'm, if I'm a GM and I, maybe I'm running fast and loose as far as campaign world goes, um, hey, where are you from? Well, I don't know. I don't know the world. Give me, you make up the town, you make up the city, you make the village. It's a big world. And I think that is a problem when you start playing um, uh, pre published campaign settings. Is because I think some characters or some players get locked into, well, if it's not on the map, then it's not there. And they, hey, man, Galarian's a big place, dude. It's not everything is mapped and put on the, it doesn't have to be in the book. Just, Give me where you would be from. It's it's not a big deal. Run with it. I'm okay with it.
1: Yeah, I'm from Riverton. It's five miles north of here. It's on the crossroads of the crystal line. Okay, great. Done. Yeah, exactly. You can totally roll with that.
0: Great. Awesome, man. Wait, yeah, good job.
1: I think where Chris was going is that if you as a game master empower that, right, when you take it and you do the, you run with that thing, as Chris was saying, that tells that player, if that was you and Phil talking... And Chris is like, boom, he runs with it. You guys know that, hey, this is cool. And I can totally, quote unquote, get away with it. I can make that happen.
2: Chris, yeah. And if in fact, I,
1: you got some. Oh, sorry. Go. I was gonna
2: say, in fact, if you know, as soon as you say that to the to the player and you say, like, where are you from? And they say, you know, I don't know. The the next thing you say is, well, you know, make something up like, go ahead, take, you know, take a second, you know, pick something on the map or, you know, pick a little town that's not on the map and just, you know, give me some details like that. That's that moment where you're basically saying to them, yes. It is okay. Like, go ahead and make something up. We're going to use it and pull it right into the game.
3: Or if you are playing in a a preset IP type situation, then you can you can say just give me the general idea of what you're where where what you're from, and then you can even use yourself or somebody else at the table that knows a little bit more about the world to give a couple suggestions of places that that could actually be like. I'm from a small town that is more of a fishing town or a farming town, or I'm from a a larger city and I was sort of a street urchin, and there were like. Uh, the the local law enforcement always gave me a hard time, and then if somebody's more familiar with the IP, then they can help give some suggestions for where that could actually be, because everything is really just a skinned over trope of some sort.
2: Right, and if you're playing Eberron, just say just say Sharn. Yeah, just say Sharn. Just yeah. say Sharn. I'm from there. It's close yeah. enough.
0: There's cooler <laughs> places in Eberron than Sharn. No, just no, no, Sharn. Not. Just <laughs> not. You take that back, Sean <clears throat> Kelly. You take that back now. <laughs> take right.
2: There's halflings. There's halflings riding. There's halflings riding dinosaurs. No, in it's the in just Sharn.
3: <laughs> you can be a halfling riding a dinosaur in Sharn,
2: too. That's the yeah, cool thing about Sharn. But you'll just fall off of something. That's true. Like, if, if, unless you, unless you got like a pterodactyl or exactly. something, you're done. You're, That's what I'm, talking about. That's what I'm oh, yeah. talking about. No T-Rex in Sharn.
1: All, All right, so I want to, th- I want to throw something at, at the three of you guys. So one of the things I used to do back in my vampire days when I was first in college running it. So here's the deal I used to do. If you were, as a player, like uber dynamic and shit was going on, one of the ra- ways that I felt that I could reward that person and show the rest of the group that this is a good way to game type of thing was I perhaps gave what I look back now, maybe may have been an overabundant of spotlight to that individual. So example, my buddy, Lenny's running a uh, vampire uh, Malkavian wacky as hell. They're insane vampires. He had uh, a sock puppet, right? So the sock puppets, the vampire, it's got little fake fangs on him and he wears this to every game. And so uh, it's, so, it's
0: as hmm. a player, not as a character. Oh yeah, L-
1: Lenny's got this on on his hand. So and he's he's freaking insane and he's diabolical. He's pure Malkavian, kind of kooky, insane, but dangerous, scary. Oh my God, Ed Gein insane, like right?
0: No, he, so, him him as a person or
1: a little bit. So I'll <laughs> tell you. Trying about, okay, to figure out who is. we're I'll talking about. Anyhow, <laughs> so at one point he is he's turned to his left and he's engaged as you know Lenny's character. Uh, mask is talking to this other vampire his hand his sock puppet I shit you not is in a full conversation with another player and the woman who is talking to the sock puppet after about 15 minutes I hear her shriek I'm talking to a sock puppet and she just gets up and walks out or she's like oh my god I can't believe I did this she's giggling and just has to walk away to compose herself so now I let that scene go perhaps longer than I maybe should have because everybody really quickly around the table just looked at that and went, that's fucking awesome. This is really cool. At that moment, it was the thing. Um, So told you that story to ask you this question, is that do you guys feel that there is a time when that light needs to be pulled away? We're like, okay, that was cool. Chris and Phil had a really good back and forth. I need to stop that and move it on. Is there a danger of the players? Um, I don't know how to phrase this correctly, but – taking over, if you will, where the players just kind of run the game or run this background talk for too long. Is there do you ever feel that? Have you encountered that thing before?
2: Uh, Yeah. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> I, I mean, no, here's I mean, here's the problem. So you have a strong player plays really well and they pull extra spotlight time in a session, which is great because, you know, as a GM, you have to know when to go with, you know, if the scene's hot you let it you know you let it play out but what happens is over the course of a bu- of a series of games the players who aren't as strong they're going to just keep pulling back because they're going to just let that player fill the void and, and so i i do think that in in a campaign you do have to like pull that spotlight away and ease it back onto the other players and figure out their comfort level, because not every player is going to want to, you know, be full spotlight the whole time, but you don't want to, you don't want to take it away from them. Like, you know, well, if you stepped up like Lenny did, you could have plenty of spotlight. You want to basically say, look, Lenny's rocking and we're going to, Oh, Lenny's always going to have a scene where he's rocking. But I also want to make sure that you're doing what you are enjoying in the game. So, you know, maybe it's a smaller scene uh, or maybe they're quieter um, and your scenes like a little more, um, low key and intense, but it's short. Um, but you're making sure that you're giving that player, uh, that time to engage the game. Cause otherwise I think over, you know, over time they're going to, they're going to disengage or kind of pull back.
3: So in the, uh, in the mantra of play better games, damn it! I, first off, I think what you did is, per, is, uh, correct. Letting that go on because everybody. Yay. Was-
1: <laughs> Chris said, I'm right. Somebody write that fucking down. Chris said, I'm well, right.
3: That well, the, thing, the way you described the table was, is they were having that scene and everybody was engaged and entertained by it. Because some part of gaming is we are a participant and we are audience. So at some point we are the audience watching that. And that was something that everybody was entertained by. Now to, uh, to, Phil's, to Phil's point going on in, into the future, yes, that can be tiresome. But if you're a clever game master and you're very good at that, you can start utilizing that player to engage everybody else in the scenes. And then you can even sometimes uh, use like, you don't have to spend as much time getting stuff for that player because they're going to do their own thing anyway. So then you can take the things that you're going to throw at the wall to see if they stick and throw them at the other players at the table. Therefore, you are involving them just as much as the player who's making it happen on their own. And that is – that is like you don't have to pay as much attention to them now because they're going to get their spot. They're going to get their – they're going to make their stuff happen and you can focus more of your energies on everybody else.
1: So what you said – one of the things you've said that I am I'm, I latched onto immediately was – and I've started doing this more and more over the years – is that when I see that one person who's just rocking it every time they've got at least this amount of spotlight, whatever it is, specifically designing it so that player has an in with every character at some yes. point? That's because the trick. it. <clears throat> exactly. Because at that point, when Sean and Brett are always rocking the scenes and Phil and Chris just aren't quite pulling it in there. So you say, you know what, Brett, you don't have any choice. You've got to go talk to Phil. And you kind of, it, you know. I hate it. It's kind of the railroad almost right from from player interaction where I want to make sure that you guys are connected because I'm going to bring it or you're going to bring it to me. And next, if nothing else, I'll be swept up in Phil's amazing gameplay and I'll have this really cool moment. I'll be part of that spotlight. I'll share the scene with that with that person.
3: And then hopefully that'll bleed over on to the person that's playing with them. And of course, it's about reading the table and knowing the players and all that. You know, all that stuff that we we all know as game masters, like understanding who wants what out of the game, and then trying to construct things or set up possibilities that that could happen.
1: Okay. Now, Sean, I'm going to throw one at you here. The um, one of the things that you and I talked about um, is players that are just like they can't make a damn decision, right? In character, out of character. When they just kind of, oh, there he's, he's giving me the face, right? So where they just kind of lock up on you like, really? Come on, fucking move. Well, so-
0: well first of all, um, don't take a hit off the bong <laughs> before you make your decision.
1: Yeah, we, we've all been to college and played with that guy.
0: <laughs> so, I mean, you know, it, hey, legalize it, but hey, come on now. Let's be yeah. cognizant here.
1: No, seriously, though. this I mean, it, it bugs the hell out of me, I'm quite frankly, there's a certain point when analysis paralysis, right? We hear that in IT and the various other places where you've you've got a decision right, left, or center, and the group will just lock up all four, stare at it like a deer in the headlights, and go, "Uh, what do we do?"
3: We just so from about this,
1: <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> this kind of I had this in my in my thoughts before, and I listened to you guys um, on, on your last episode, which was one sixty nine. Yeah. All right, one sixty nine. Some more about latency. And uh, so one of the things I do for that as a game master is I start saying, look, you can either do this, that, or the other thing. And they're the working on it. They're, they're coming up with ideas. I have said, okay, guys, let's stop for a second. The arguments are X, Y, and Z. That's what I'm hearing. Yeah, that's pretty much our choices. Which do you want? You know, sometimes it's almost an out-of-game director's chair type of thing. Like, look, we're all writing here. You're all talking about where the script should go. Look, we've got three or two possible freaking options pick one so sometimes that feels a little overt but for me as a game master i kind of wish the players would be able to do that on their own you know so does that does that make a good player or is that just one of those things as a game master we should expect to have to deal with well i think that um i don't
2: think you need it in every player so what i think you need is and i and i actually i think i wrote this in focal point you need a player leader so there's a player there can be. I should, I'm not going to say there is. Oh, oh, I'm so waiting so for Chris's Chris, roll as I, yeah. God, I, I was about to see El, how fast. Elf, the, see how fast I deflect that. Bing. So there can be a player who is the the player who is who wants to get the group moving in a direction. So like when I play, when I'm a player in a game, I tend to take that role, and that's probably part project manager uh, kind of thing. But. I'm the one like when the group locks up before the GM has to intervene, I'm like, all right, guys, listen, this, you, like we're, we're either going to, you know, investigate this clue or we're going to pick up uh, the blood samples. Uh, so we just need to make a decision. And if no one makes
3: it, I'll make it. Now, that's not so that's that's not at every table. Uh, but but to that point, Phil, just described what a good version of the player leader is someone who is also helping to facilitate choices. Not someone As who's taking command.
1: Just says this is how it's going to be. Goddamn yes. it! That's yes, that's player tyrant.
3: That's a player tyrant.
1: Yeah. So okay, which continue. ones?
3: What? Which one's the alpha
0: gamer?
2: Can oh, the we... alpha gamer is when the alpha gamer is the one who tells, like, Sean, you need to throw fireball. Oh, and I want you to. And I, here, I'll just mark it on the grid. Just yeah. on your turn. <laughs> Put the fireball right there. <laughs> is, is is just also... Sit the
1: fuck down. I'll move your mini for you. Here's yeah, right. exactly. Give me your goddamn
3: character sheet. That is give the bad me... <laughs> version of the alpha player. There is the good version of the alpha player who is the player facilitator. Yes. Can, can oh, help. yes.
0: Well, yeah, the facilitator. Yeah, I see what you're getting at, but I wonder like alpha gamers, I mean, it's like the dad. Hey, uh, oh, okay, we're going to play D and D. All right. Oh, this is pretty good. Oh, you, you make that decision. Oh, uh, no 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 here, uh, here let me see your character sheet that is also passive aggressive
2: alpha
3: tyrant <laughs> yeah, yeah <exactly>. i'm <laughs> not gonna
0: lead you guys
3: right.
1: uh but you no no don't go that way
0: i'm you, not gonna, totally up to you but uh
1: i'm you, not you know. gonna tell you what to pack on vacation son but what i'm saying is if you don't have this many pairs of underwear your toothbrush this and this you're doing it wrong okay way, dad
3: if you sound like that when you're running your game or you're playing in a game with somebody you're doing it wrong just so yeah. you know you
1: like that. i absolutely agree with that
2: <laughs> if you can't find the player tyrant at the table it could be you
1: it
3: could be you.
1: <laughs> <laughs> <Nice>. <laughs> so before i want to slip into talking to us about how what we are doing as players like ourselves we've talked about other people and stuff but so when you're the game master and someone sits at the table. Now, there's differences between con games and your home game or whatever whatever it is. How much knowledge are you expecting? And you guys talked about this again a little bit on Episode 169 as well, so I'm piggybacking here. But the how much knowledge are you expecting me as a player to bring to the table? So, Sean, if I come in and we're going to play D&D 5E or 2E or we're going to play Traveler or Dungeon Crawl Classics, I'm like, look, I read the book, but I've never played it. Do you expect a certain amount of homework out of me as a player, either at the get-go Or do you expect a curve where I might not know shit at the beginning, but by by episode five, I better know which freaking die I should be rolling? What are you thinking, Sean?
3: (laughs) (laughs) I gotta work work Sean. 50
1: 50 episodes of this
3: shit. Um, God damn it, Sean. Make um, a choice. um, Um... Well, Sean, you could choose to say it's a, I would do it this way. You can choose to say I would do it that way. You know, Uh, let me see the, let me see the show notes. I'll
2: pick
0: it up for him. (laughs) Give me your fucking sheet. I feel (laughs) as though I'm in a room of alpha gamers. Um, oh shit. What was the damn
1: question? The question (laughs) is what level of mastery do you expect people to bring to the table? Oh yes. The mastery piece. Yes. And do you, do you care if they, if it's like, I don't know, crap and it rolls up later on or what are you thinking?
0: Um, so are you referring to, um, setting or rules?
1: I'm talking about rules of the game itself. Cause to me, setting is kind of a different piece. We might be able to fold that in here, but rules to the game. So if like, right. look, I've not played DCC. I've only read it. Excellent. I've not played dungeon world. I've only read it. So if I show up to play with Chris, he's like, look, I'm the, I'm, you know, I know dungeon world. I can totally run this for you. Right. I you know, it. what level would it. you expect me to it. I
0: got it. I got it. Hey, I got it, buddy.
1: I could belabor that some more if you'd like holy shit balls.
0: Anyways, um, are you talking con game or home game?
1: Either or. Give me both.
0: Thank God you kept that short. Um, I would say (laughs) if it was a I'm sorry,
1: man. I hate my friends.
0: If it was a con game, then it's anybody at the table is welcome on whatever so I take a survey of the table. Who hey, everybody is anybody familiar with the rule set? Yes, good. Ah, oh, awesome. Play it all the time. Great. Anybody else? No? Any new role playing gamers? New. Okay, excellent. Awesome. Got you. Keep you in mind for when stuff comes up. Um you, hey, Mr. Mr. Guy who uh or gal plays all the time. I would I may lean on you for rule like quick rule questions or something like that. Oh yeah, awesome. Okay, cool. I'm I'm totally in on this. So that's con game, me. Home game. Eh, it doesn't matter. It depends. I mean, I would ask everybody at the table if they're wholly familiar with the rules. Um, and if they are great, if they're not, that's okay. So I don't think they have to be, they don't have to be like well-versed. They don't need to know the book rule by rule. Um, the GM will have to facilitate, I think when it comes to, I don't for lack of better words, alpha gamer rules guy or rules. And I don't even want to say rules lawyer because I think that may be too strong sometimes, but they may say, oh, you can't do that or you can do this or you can do that, but try to mitigate that as a GM. So my answer is you don't have to know the rules verbatim and I wouldn't expect that, but the overall gist. So Steve in our game is a pretty good example and and Brett, I think that's your name. Um <laughs> He Kind of knows I just that hate this guy. <laughs> um, and so, but I mean, you know, Steve, right? He's no, never, I do. And he's he, never played D anD D five. No, he's
1: not. He doesn't know the rules incredibly right. well, but he understands the gist of them. Right. What and do I, I think need to he's roll? He's one of those guys that he's going to bring the curve, right? Where he right. doesn't know it much here. Right. right. Two three sessions in, he's gonna be like, Oh, I know what it, I know what the term advantage means. Don't explain that to me anymore. So, I know what my long damage is. I've got that. Don't explain that to me anymore.
0: Steve, if you're listening,
3: I didn't get a voicemail, you asshole.
0: Anyways, moving on. Uh, Chris, Phil,
3: Phil actually has this this locked up about uh, about game masters and players and and what they uh, and what the players should know when they come to the table if it's a home game compared to a campaign game. Why don't you do the home game first? Yeah. All right. So home game. So home game is on a curve because, and we
2: play a lot of different games. So like when we field a new game to the table, um, I don't expect all the players to have known like to have fully read the book. I I hope that some of them have gotten through. You know the core uh, mechanics, that kind of thing, combat, that that stuff. But over time, I expect the players to uh, to kind of fill in what they need to know. But in terms of knowledge, when you're a game master, you need to be a generalist in the rules. So you need to know the core mechanics. Plus, you need to kind of know either where everything is in the rulebook, or you know the mechanic well enough that on the fly, I can adjudicate, you know, oh, that's a, that's a, um, that's going to be advantage. So roll for advantage for that. Um, but when you're a player over time, you need to be an expert in every rule that touches your character. Mm. Like, because you don't need to know the drowning rules, but you need to know, like, if you have 10 points in jump, you better know how jump works. Like you put 10 points in it. You better know what the, you know, the role is, and what a run, you know the difference between uh, your standing jump versus your running jump, that kind of thing. So if you I,
1: build if you build jumpy acrobat guy and you don't know how to be jumpy acrobat guy, dude. Right. I
0: well, I think that's different because I think they'll know because that's their build. But I oppose that uh, counter to Phil is what about the individual who is not as well versed in the game and specifically say like fantasy RPG, traditional. And they want to play a complex character class like a wizard. So like get ready to do some homework, man. Go. I mean, there's there's the internet,
2: there's, you know, there's podcasts, there's G plus groups. Like, (laughs) you know what? If you want to play the wizard and you've never played a character before, then like, you know, find somebody who's played the wizard and be like, dude, how do I play a wizard well? Like, go home and
3: read like spell descriptions. Yeah, the conversation is about being a good player, right? How to be a good player. (laughs) absolutely so that is that is what you need to do to go and be a good player so that you are not causing latency at the table by not knowing the rules right because oh. when you don't know that
2: fireball is a 30 a 30 foot radius yeah right? and you drop that on your party oh it's hilarious they like have a you, right to they have a right to look at you like you're fucking dead to them holy they shit. Can, they just just, take they just take that away and you get barred <laughs>
0: God damn, I guess that's the
3: shit. Dude, it's, shit. We, don't even, we Game, don't even have a checklist of all the, the tropes from both of our shows, but we're hitting them all. Like, we're exactly. just going right down damn. the list. Man, man, Gaming and BS does
0: not endorse the <laughs> message from the misdirected <laughs> Oh, Mark. I do.
1: I love it. I mean, seriously, if we're talking about being a good player here, I mean, part of that is is one of the things, when I wanted to play a wizard the first time I was playing First Ed, is I sat down and I read every freaking spell I could get my hands on. I did research and so on. I know sometimes in, you know, today's modern f- space world is very difficult to be what the fuck ever. If you're going to dedicate the time to the game, put the time in, do the research. If you don't want to do the research to be the wizard, then be fighter. do that. Yeah. Get into the thing you can get into. If you really want to do the stretch and you want to be the rogue or you want to be the thief, or you want to be the, um, you know, super jet pilot from Alpha Centauri. Then guess what? You need to do some freaking homework so that when you come to the table, you can speak intelligently. About the skills, about the things your character can do, and where he or she is from. All right, excitable
0: the- All right, excitable. Well, hold on, Chris. I'll, I'll get you. I'll, get, I'll let you go. All right, <laughs> excitable. No, no. So, excitable player who wants to play the wizard. I'm going to stick up for you, buddy. I'm up. I'm I'm, I'm going to bat for you. You gotta. I think it's. So I'm talking about the ambitious player
3: character or the player. I, I'm going to send him home with a player's handbook. With a with a bookmark in it, read read this. There's ways to help them. I mean, but that's that's we're still talking about good players. Like we're not talking about mediocre player or ambitious player. We're talking about how to be a good player
1: here. That's yep. how you be a good player. You do the work. I'll tell you the other the other piece that goes to that what Chris is saying is that if you to be to be good at anything, whatever it is, I mean, how do I how do I do this? If I don't know how to play a wizard and it fills my GM or Sean's my game, I to be like, look, I really like the whole thing. I mean, Chris has been dropping fucking fireballs and lightning bolts and magic missile shit. That just looks cool. I want to do that next. Should I just talk to Chris and figure out how he does that, or do you have tips for me? Those kind of questions, when um, when my two boys, when my boys come to me and say, boy, i really like to do this. My my uh, youngest boy, AJ, loves being a cleric. He loves it. He plays a nasty little dwarven cleric, just goes around and beats a shit out of everything. Did he
0: start out as a cleric?
1: <clears throat> yes, he did. So what, oh. what happened So what happened then is that Connor, the older my older son, says, I'd like to try that. So he says, What do I have to do? And AJ just sidles over, goes, Here's what you gotta do, here's how you run the classes, da da da. da. So I got my nine-year-old just kind of laying it out for him. This is how this needs to go. So hooking people up, this is to me, this is connected to the the person who's really good in the limelight, hooking that other player up with them saying, Look, you want to learn this, go get it. But if you don't ask, it's very hard for the rest of the group players or game master to step up and say, oh, he wants to change his game or she wants to change up her game. So I better give Mary, Susan, or Sally the opportunity to work with Tim or Jill because they're the ones who really know the cleric. You can do that, but you got to ask. And it's on you, to Chris's point, if we're talking to be a good player, step up, say, I don't know how to do the thing. I want to learn how to do the thing. How do I get there?
3: Yeah, see, now we're talking about ways to get to being a good Like that's, that's that I mean, I think that's the, probably the more important question. Like how to, how do you be a better player? And that's it. Like ask people for advice, do the reading. There's like Phil said, there's shortcuts on the internet. I mean, it's not, it's, we're not doing it to be like stick guys, like here, beat you (laughs) down. Don't do this. We're just like, well, it's about education at that point. You need to, you need to understand the mechanical aspects of it and then apply all the social aspects of what we're talking about to then become. An exceptional player
2: yeah and it's never been i mean it's never been easier i mean when we were kids i mean you had to wait once a month to read dragon to get a couple nuggets of of tips and advice and then the rest of it you were just you know accidentally killing your party members learning yeah um now i mean you know you could pop onto a uh you could pop on to the pathfinder forums post hey I'm a first-time player that's playing a wizard. Any tips? There'll be like five pages of of people chiming in with, oh, yeah, do this, take this feat, you want this spell, that kind of... I mean, it's never been easier to, to get that information, which I think is why um, I, I have the stick because it's <laughs> not like... It's not like it was when we were kids, and you, you know, really like there wasn't really a way to to get it. You that information's there,
0: mm-hmm. easy to get. There's a it's, lot of there's a lot of players, and I think that's valid. But I think I, Brett and I talked about this on one episode how some alpha, for lack of better words, alpha gamers are more tuned into those avenues. So I mean, yeah. I we play with players that are like they don't know about any of the independently published games. They are not online, they're not in social media like we are. And so when when it's yes, the resources are there and you can point them in the direction, which I think is what you're getting at, Phil. But a lot of them are just like derp. You know, if they don't have the book and they don't have somebody that like says, Look, dude, you or do that, you need to go and like go here and read this. This will make you if you want to play a wizard, read this stuff.
1: Yeah, I, I, well, think and- I, put, I, th- I put my foot down and say well, a horrible phrase here, but I'm like, look, if that's all, if that's the effort you're going to put into the hobby, that's what you're going to get out of it, brother. I mean, that's it. It's <clears throat> this is a hobby. It's a time sink. There's a lot of stuff involved in it. I hunt, I fish, I camp, I do martial arts. It, the more time and energy you put into those things, the better at them you get or the more knowledge you have. If you're a dabbler in the RPG as a player perspective, you will attain dabbler rank. I mean, it's going to be difficult for you to get better as a player and so forth if you don't put the energy into it i disagree people,
3: i humbly ask- disagree i disagree
0: oh
2: how
1: dare you're wrong. you
3: you're wrong you're wrong kelly wrong. i'm just letting you know
2: i Wait, want like the i like i want like the first edition like like you know like the old titles like you start oh, yeah. dabbler Alkalite. level one player yeah yeah yeah, you like move up the, you know, you move up each of the titles. Now, if you're good at if you're good at grokking
3: rules real quick, and you just show up at the table and you start playing because you can grok what's going on after like two or three sessions, then that's fine. Then you can still be a good player, but you have learned the game over time. But that that does like you still sometimes need to do some work, and there are shortcuts around it, like having spell cards for fifth edition D anD D. That works, but you still don't know the breadth of spells if you're if you're wasting the thirty the first thirty minutes of the game trying to figure out what spells you're going to use that day. Because then you were.
0: Go ahead, Chris. Finish what you are
3: going to say. No. What were you going to say? I want to hear the counterpoint. So
0: I was going to say, No. It's, it's not that good. You don't want to hear it. <laughs> Shh. You're about to get a breath of genius here. All right. I'll sit but back. But no, hey. it has to do with... Um, so. But you could you could have a player who is heavy RP, which is not typical maybe of the rest of your group. And if that is something you grok as a GM and that you would like to see in your game, they may not necessarily have to be rules person and understand all the nuances of what a complex class is, like a wizard, for uh, for example. So
1: if you keep keep going, Sean, I'm sorry. So I'm,
0: I'm going to say if you if you have them show up to the table and they provide a good role playing game experience because they're like, dude, I I'm a uh, Falcor the wizard and they play the part and they really stay within the game because i think there is two facets to our hobby there's the rules piece and there's the role playing piece yep and i think if you can get somebody that knows and combines both of them great but if you find as a gm the um uh, if you find you value the rp piece a little bit more than the rules piece phil looking at you buddy then you may say hey that guy's got it going on man i like that guy
2: well, now you've hit it on the head because what you've what you've basically said is yes. Take it. Take an applause. I'm not gonna be able to live we with this. Rip dude.
0: him apart in
3: about two seconds. No, no, I'm not, not gonna be able to live agree with this with guy He said I, I hit it. it on the head, but Brett. what he's
0: what he's
2: saying Suck is it, that Brett. It, there's a value. So
3: there is every table.
2: No, every table has what they will consider um, the more valuable skills in a table. Like if you are a group that is heavy RP and you're eh. Don't worry about the rules so much. Then there isn't as much pressure and stop
3: playing Pathfinder. Well, play, play games that, goes, that use that rules, that skill set more. Correct. But that's that's, about, so that's that goes. So that's not goes, about being a good player. That's about about choosing the right game for the group that's playing.
2: Right. So that goes I mean, that goes to what we always say about play better games. Damn it. Like yeah. if your group is like, look, we don't like heavy rules and we like a lighter system um, where we can do more role play. Yes. Then go find the game that does that. And then everybody's actually being very good players.
1: Yes. The, the cool part about that, if you if you go that route then and you say, you know what, this is how we do it. And we like fate or we like, I um, <clears throat> uh, forget, fiasco or I'm picking shit out of my pocket here. But I like something that's faster and whatnot. And that's the type of thing that's a value at my table. Therefore, when Chris comes in and Sean comes in and says, hey, we're new. Brett and Phil, how do you guys like to run? We run these games. And those games then inform you guys as players, oh, this is how they do it. As opposed to sitting down and saying, well, I play Pathfinder, but I hacked the living fuck out of it. So it basically plays like Amber Diceless. You're like, really? Why are you not just playing Amber Diceless? Amber what Diceless. the hell are we doing here? This
3: is how we do it. <laughs> so, well,
1: have
2: you ever done that with like you, you meet a player and you just ask them like, hey, what do you normally play? And then as soon as they tell you, you've like summed them up. You, you're like, you OK, out okay yeah, I, I kind of I kind of I can kind of grok what you are as a, you know, where you fall in the spectrums of gaming. So, yeah. so Sean.
3: Sean, the reason I disagree with like your statement about about that is because I whoa, think those are two whoa, different topics. Whoa, whoa. If we're talking about um, a game that is heavier on the mechanic side of things and you have somebody who is not willing to do the work for the mechanics, they're actually not being a good player for that particular game. Now, if you guys are playing a different game system that doesn't rely on those mechanics, then then he is a perfectly acceptable and probably an exceptional player or she for that particular game system. So it is dependent on the situation. And so if I have two people who are more into the RP type stuff, and two people are more into the, the heavy rules type stuff, I'm actually probably going to pick a game that is more on the on the rules light type stuff because it still allows the people who are interested in the rules to access them and do that while providing a space for the role players to really do their more role play type thing. Although I hate the term role play because I think every time you do anything in a role playing game, you're role playing.
1: No, I get I, it. I think I get what you're saying. Yeah. Now this actually, this actually kind of bleeds into what I think is kind of the, the last... Piece. I want to talk about us as players, but one of the things that Sean and I've talked about and both of you in Chris and Phil, you guys have talked about this too, is the the communication, the table stakes, that social contract, type of thing, right? If, <clears throat> as we just said, if you come to Brett and Sean's game, we're like, look, we play Amber dice list. We play this really rules light, you know, or, or like, look, I'm a, we're a white wolf table. This is what we do. We play it by the rules. It's like, okay, first off, Phil's not going to play. We learned that. Um, But if, or you play, look, I I like Dungeon World. That's when I play fantasy, boom, I say Dungeon World. When I play sci fi, boom, I say this other thing. If you're going to come into that, then you know what you're walking into. And I think then, as to be a good player, one of the things, I remember this from Gen Con back in 89, the first year I went when I was still in Milwaukee. Oh my
0: God, Grandpa, get on. I know, it's (laughs) crazy. I love you, you. Jesus
1: Christ! I'm gonna fucking punch you next time I see Did you. you walk
0: up to <laughs> it? both work? ways and a foot of snow or tall yeah. feet of snow?
1: I had one shoe between all sixteen of us. It was the left <laughs> shoe, two sizes too small. Jesus Christ! Anyway, um, they had an article in there about basically how do you break into this hobby? In the one Milwaukee uh, newspaper, I used to have it. I don't have it anymore. I was looking for it before the it's show. Out of, it's out of business, probably. Anyhow, it's a fucking newspaper, print, dude. Anyway, um the things where ask a lot of questions was the main gist of it. Like, look, play a fighter-type character the first time through. They're easy to grok. They're great. They're they're good ways to start. Also, ask stuff. What do you guys like to do? How do you do this? What type of stories do you tell? That was the whole premise behind it. And I think as a good player, when you're coming into a new group, a thing to do is ask, hey, Chris, Phil, you've invited me to your table. It sounds good. What kind of games do you like to play? As as Phil said, you know, what, what, what do you guys play? Oh, we play a lot of Shadowrun first ed. Holy shit, get the fucking salad bowl on my D6s. That's how they do it. Um... <laughs> what if that's not it yeah man like look we're, yeah. we're heavy role play we took shadow on first ed but we hacked it and it plays more like red box you're like okay i think i've got that you know or however it works but figure out what you're gonna get into and then this is a goofy thing to say because it, it sucks sometimes as a player without a game but sometimes you gotta be like you know what thanks but no thanks ah uh, sometimes as a yes. player you gotta be able to walk away
2: yes and that that is so there's there's a a point where you can say to yourself like, okay, um, well, these guys play first edition shadow run. I typically play fourth edition. So, you know, I'll just, I can buy 20 more six siders, you know, and I, I, could still play with these guys. And then there's a point where the group is so different from the way you like to play that you just can't change yourself enough to enjoy it. In which case you're just like a thorn in the rest of the group, you're not having fun. They're not having fun because there's no way you're masking it well enough for no, you know, well enough for the group not to find out. Absolutely. So, yeah, I, and I think that's tough because I think people are like, you know, it's it's like a, it, it, you know, it's like a bad girlfriend kind of thing. It's like, oh, we're going to we're totally going to make this work like I hate every, I hate every movie you watch, but we're totally going to make this work because oh, I just don't want to not have a group. I don't like the food. I don't like the sex. I don't like the movies. Why are we together? You
1: know? Exactly. <laughs> What's with this?
0: Codependency.
2: <laughs> yeah. So, there. I mean, there is. and And, and that's and game masters don't want to kick a player out any more than a player wants to bow out. But, I mean, as a good player, you should recognize, like, if you look at a table and you're like, look. However, you're playing this game seems to be working for you guys. It's totally not working for me. I'm gonna go and find another group.
1: Yeah, I honestly think it's easier for a player to bow out than it is for the game master or the other players to ask you to leave. Oh yeah, it's, it's totally. So much, in so fact, in fact, you're doing. Yeah, in fact, you're doing the group a favor. You are. Like, you absolutely are. Yeah. And, and yourself, quite frankly, because otherwise. The four of us are playing and you guys are like, dude, that Blazinski guy, he sucks, which is my last name, by the way. Um, we're just sick of his shit, get the Polak out of here. All right, the only way to I mean, if I were to step up and say, look, you know, I get it. Hey, guess what? Something came up. I can't make Fridays anymore. You guys keep playing, I'll let you know when I'm free. You can walk away gracefully. You don't have to say, look, I don't like what you do. There's multiple ways. That's just, you know, being a social decent human. But the point is, is I think as a player, recognize what you like to do, what you're good at. Um. Look at the team that you're going to be with, and say, you know what, I, I can't play with these guys. That's okay. You know, these men and women, they're just not my style. I'm going to walk away.
3: Yeah. So, have,
1: okay, oh, say, go ahead, Chris. Go.
3: I think I have one, uh, one statement that can sort of sum up at least the the basic idea of being a good player is that understand the game that you are playing, and then buy into the game that you are playing, and play the game as it is prescribed by the table and the game. I, like I mean, that, that is. We are saying all of those things. Uh, all the things we are saying are surrounding that basic idea. And then, of course, there are ways to do that better and ways to do that worse.
2: Yep, absolutely. So, well, keep what way to summarize the whole thing up there? Tried. God, that we was should have
0: started with that,
2: you dick. Sure. Yeah, really. <laughs> we could have
3: kept this thing shorter. I was, I was doing the gaming and BS thing where I talk about it for like forty minutes and then get to the point eventually. <laughs> oh,
1: oh, oh! I love you too, Chris. All right. <laughs> So I think the last piece we can throw in here, um, Sean, is I want to talk about basically shit that we're working on. When when you when any of us are on the other side of the screen, we're not game masters. Is there a component to what you're doing as a player that you're like, I have this, I have, hi, my name is Brett, I'm a player, hi, I have this problem. Do we? <laughs> do <clears throat> hi, okay, Brett. I'll throw I'll throw my hand up. If I'm bored, you don't want me at your table. And part of my part of my thing is I got to figure out a way to, Chris gives work a thumbs out up. Ways to to get engaged with other people, because if I'm bored, I'm a fucking nightmare of a player, man. I know it. Me, too. I'm like,
2: uh, I think and I think this is I think this is a side effect from being a GM. Be, being a player is so much less work than being a GM.
1: That oh, he said I, it. I was waiting. It was either going to be <sighs> Phil or, or Sean would say that I was waiting. It, is, it is it is
2: less work. So you have so much more downtime when you're a player than you do as a GM that like when I play, I have to give myself extra jobs, like feverishly writing notes or checking things in the book. Otherwise, like I start yawning and (laughs) like, and I don't mean to, but you know, I don't get a lot of sleep because of all the shit
3: we do. Even when I, even when I run, he's, he yawns and stuff and I run games at like 120 miles an hour all the time. So.
2: I, you know, I need like, I need to invent other work for myself. So I do, I take like lots of, I take lots of session notes, which pay off anyway, you know, when we come back to the game in two weeks and I can remember like, oh yeah, that's all the stuff we did. But if I don't do that stuff, I'm like, do, 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 like, oh, okay. Like, even if I'm enjoying the game, I look like I'm bored and that does nothing to help the GM who's running
1: the game. So He's looking across the screen going, oh my god, Vecchion's bored out of his mind. Shit, that guy writes for Gnome Stew, he's going to burn me, he's going to fucking burn me. No,
3: I never felt that way. It's actually Phil that was nervous when he was running games for me, it was kind of (laughs) cute.
2: Yeah, I I used to listen to the show and I would wait to hear if Chris was like, oh, that game sucked, you know, Vecchion totally tanked the session or something.
3: I'm a bit of an egomaniac behind the screen, I don't feel like I can do any wrong so ah okay
1: yeah. we'll but have uh, an intervention for you at another time yeah. can't, wait to, <laughs> when,
3: can't wait to play in one of your games dude yeah I'm a bit of an ego maniac uh, I'm with Brett it's, it's the being engaged being involved with what everyone else is doing even when I'm not part of the action like I need that I need to do that more and, and work on that skill more because when I'm not doing that I get bored and then that's a problem
2: <laughs> that's why I like that's why I like games that play at that story like the um, the level where I like playing.
3: I like playing games that are low latency for that reason
2: yeah, well, I mean, I like I like games where it's it's okay to chip in ideas like oh you know what you know like chipping in an idea for a hard move in dungeon world like oh you should totally drop that pillar on him. yeah you know like yeah. you know like in a D and D game you would never give that to a GM you'd be like oh you should you should totally hit him with the with the tail yeah and, and then yeah. the wing buffet everybody else would be like dude stop being like <laughs> stop helping this, yeah stop
1: helping stop I've being a that. dick you get beat with a right with but a in
2: like twenties like in Fate like yelling out um uh aspects for a scene like that's fun it is and it's cooperative and you know it's like oh uh broken leg give him a broken leg yep so what about you sean
0: fantasy flight game star wars yeah campaign actual play podcast awesome because they when they talk about the game they're i mean they will take over npcs the player characters
3: if you listen to it chris uh, I, I listen to the One Shot podcast, but I know I know I know those guys are great. Yeah, yeah. So I mean, it's it's and it's hilarious. <laughs> it's and also a little unfair that most of them are like improv comedy actors. Indeed, indeed.
1: <laughs> that, that can't hurt. Well, that's where that's where my buddy Lenny is awesome. He he was uh, trained theater. He did so much theater and co- I did minimal theater in college. He was like on stage constantly. So you throw a roll at him, if he sees an opening, boom, he's the garbage man. I mean like if he sees an opening, he's gonna grab it and roll it. You just learn to step back and let him go.
0: It's easy <clears> for <throat> those types of players to to overshadow the rest, though, which it is which is tough. And as a GM, you gotta kinda step in and try to figure out how to incorporate those other players into yep. that person's spotlight.
1: So Sean, I'm gonna I'm season. gonna I'm gonna punch you, dude, with this one is that when you and I played with uh, Frank Mensner. You told me at the end of it. I'm like, dude, he's sitting right next to me. Like, you didn't do shit all night. He's like, yeah, I kind of hang back. So, are oh, you calling me out, man? I'm calling fucking calling you out, brother, what a <laughs> dickhead. <laughs> now, Harry,
0: hey, Chris, Phil, you got your room over on the stretch Mark? Or?
1: Yeah,
3: absolutely. You can come and 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 host with us anytime. Oh. Can you uh, can you wire up the soundboard?
1: I can't wire my own shit for nothing. I'll have to call five techies just to, ah. Uh, well, at it, that
0: point, I'll leave it up to Chris because it's his show. Uh, well,
3: himself. I mean, Sean,
0: if you come over, you, no, you, no, you'll, no. you'll wire up
2: the, we'll it's, have you wire everything it's up. It's
3: not my show anymore. Hey. It's technically a subsidiary of Encoded Designs, which is, I guess, our company. So, it is our company. So I guess it is still my show a little bit. Yeah,
1: you can get a paycheck over there. We get nothing. God, You're like
2: the hey. vice president hey. of media or something. Hey, I, hey, hey, guys. Hey, hey. Put me in, Coach. I, I'll
0: be. I'm good. Hey, really, seriously, man. Hey, you want? You need anything, Mister Vecchione? Hey, Do you, you uh, need A cup of coffee. Right. I, I write. I mean, I mean, I. I had some.
1: I. I went to school. <laughs> <laughs> and, that, and he's one of our recruiters. <laughs> this is great. <laughs> Actually, he hired me. So that's kind of. Yeah, that's a quality it, of person he brings in the company. I know I talent.
3: I still didn't get Sean's answer on that question. What's, what, the,
1: what, what's the damn question?
3: Uh, what skills do you need to work on at the table to be a better player?
1: Oh, me? Yeah. yeah oh, shit. Put me
3: on the spot. dude. Well, you're the only one that didn't answer yet. Yeah.
1: <laughs> Captain Captain Fallible. What do you got? What's what's wrong with you? Uh, uh,
0: hey, I'm not perfect by any means. And as a player, um, it depends on the role that I'm in. Like, what am I? What? role am I in uh, in the in the party so one example is that I play a wizard in my buddy Doc's game and I'm supposed to be the strategic tactician but there may be somebody at the table that's coming up with more ideas than I am tactically and I talk in the game not hey you should move here move there it's in the game Mm -hmm. as an advisor to the group So I would say that at times, um, I don't know, I would say probably elaborating more on that, getting more into that space. Does that make sense?
1: So you don't push the the character's role or position far enough. You take it at a certain point, but you could go another mile or two. Well, and
0: that gets into metagame too. So, Mm -hmm. I mean, what's the knowledge of the player versus the character?
3: Ah, see, then you can use the knowledge of the player to enhance the play of the character, though. Or if you don't have the knowledge, you're fucking sucking wind. <laughs> that that too.
1: Hence, being a good player, you should do the fucking research.
3: <laughs> I, I, I get it, though. It's like, Sean, you're playing like at a six, and you could be playing it like a nine. The character role. Yeah, sure. Okay.
0: That's
1: sure. what I've heard. I've heard hey, about. man, I'm
0: not reading art. I mean, I've read The Art of War, but I'm like, hey, man, I haven't recited it to memory.
3: You could just read The War of Art, too. Also a good book. The War of Art? yeah yes. oh yeah good book really yeah mm-hmm. oh. yeah it exists
1: i work bookstores all through college i know that book <laughs>
3: <laughs> is that is that it do we have anything else i don't know i think that's about it
1: phil what? or chris any last uh bits of wisdom you want to throw out i think we hit the uh we did the traditional gaming bs we got some really good notes but fuck it throw them out and just randomly go through stuff any last bits of wisdom you want to throw out
3: uh, I think I would say if you have listened to 50 episodes of gaming and BS, you should probably listen to another 500 because they're only going to get better. Oh, yeah.
0: oh you, you are too kind, my man. Oh and, my God. And if this is, if this is your first
2: one, if this is your first episode, start at episode one and just work your way forward.
3: And, and right. Yeah. And then listen to Mr. Director Mark podcast too. Absolutely. Oh yeah.
1: Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, I mean, this didn't all on un- shameless, shameless cross promotional plug. I mean, if you like what Sean and I do, do you have a good time listening to us? That's great. We love it. But Phil and Chris run a, they run a tighter ship, a lot more technical components about how they tear apart different mechanics and stuff. I learned a lot, listening to them and I've torn my own game apart and looked at different components of it and so on. So there's a lot of really cool stuff you learn. listening to these boys. So give them a listen. Yeah, do it.
0: It's not misdirected Mark in BS, right? It's misdirected Mark. It's,
3: we're gaming and BS. We're totally, completely full of shit. It could be, Correct. you know, it, it could be misdirected Mark gaming and BS as a, like, conglomerate of, you know, shows, which it sort of already is. Are so. you making a proposition over here? Are <laughs> no. you? Are you, no. pa- are you making a pass at me? Well, you guys are actually better at marketing your show than I am. <laughs> so.
0: <laughs> I'm working on them for it.
1: Awesome. Hey, so cool. Let's,
0: hey, let's get into uh, die roll, shall we? Let's do some die yeah. roll, man. All right. So die roll. If you haven't listened to the first 50 episodes, Die rolls is where we talk about uh, two to four miscellaneous points of uh, gaming and geekery we want to bring to your attention. Uh, we're including Phil and Chris in on this. So uh, why don't we start with Mr. Brett?
1: Cool. I've just got two. I want to make sure we got space for, for our brothers. Um, at this quick one, the AD&D second edition stuff is starting to come out in PDF on DriveThruRPG. For the OSR folks out there, it's kind of quasi-OSR. depends who you talk to. But I played a shit ton of second edition back in tail end of high school and through college. I still have a lot of fun, fond memories of it. I had a really good time with it. So if you're missing your books, you sold them for beer money back in college, go get yourself a PDF. You, too, can get the complete c Elf Splat book. Exactly. The Sea Elf Splat book. Oh, my God, I can't. Oh, yes. I remember that. That was when that was a splat book frenzy at that point. Yes. Um, The other one I had, <clears throat> excuse me, Aliens 5 is coming out. Uh, apparently, Michael Bean, uh, the actor from the second Aliens movie, is saying that Aliens 5 is coming out. They're going to ignore Aliens 3 and Aliens Resurrection. So I've got a little link out there. Check it out. I think if they do that, I will see this. <laughs> I approve. Other than that, I'm not interested at all. Sean, back to you, sir. Well, to me, uh, let's let's include Phil.
0: Phil, you want to go with yours? Yeah. All right. I got two as well. Um, So the first one
2: is there's a Kickstarter going on for uh, Carolina game tables. So uh, these are uh, custom tables. They are they're built to be uh, in the middle of your house, like to function as a dining room table. And then like you basically pop the top off. And it's got a felt inset and like you can use it to, you know, run your board games, your card games, your role playing games. Uh, We actually got the chance to see, I think, the first one yep. uh, at Gen Con. It's being run uh by the people who run Pinnacle. So it's uh Jody and Clint Black yep. are. Oh, damn. Okay. Yeah, they're the ones who are heading this up. So it's this is not fly by night. This is not crazy. And then two high
1: school wood workshop kids trying to pull this no, off. It, right.
3: well, well, Clint. Clint Black's family has been making furniture for a couple generations. So, Oh, well well then. (laughs) Yeah.
2: Yeah. So these, I mean, these tables are sweet. And like I said, we got to see the one that they brought to Gen Con and it really, uh, it's really high quality stuff.
3: They're really expensive. They're like, I think it's like $1,500 a table, but there are some lower things. Like you can get a set of like six leather coasters, uh, for for like twenty five bucks, I think. There's a stool. There's a, a stool. chair. The stool yeah. is pretty pretty pricey too. It's like one hundred twenty five bucks for the stool. Yeah, but I mean, but they're they, beautiful. I yeah, mean, they're, go they're check well them designed.
0: out. Solid um, solid wood is not cheap. Yeah, no, it yeah. is not. And that's what they are,
3: and well and, constructed. And, and the the and table itself, if you if you pull the top off, it is a, a little bit deeper at the that the shorter ends for for game masters, and it's a little bit narrower on the sides for players, and it's and it's wide enough the opening on the bottom to fit two fold out flip mat battle mats.
1: Fucking hey,
3: that a awesome.
0: to check that out. I won't be able to afford any of it, but yeah, it's good <clears> stuff.
1: yeah I'll, I'll be busy drooling on that website for a while. All right, Phil, what uh, else you got? Uh,
2: the Design Game
1: Podcast. That's so, a
2: good show. This is a pretty new podcast from uh, Will March and uh, um, Paletta. Yeah, Nathan. Palletta. oh, this is Nathan the one Nathan you were Palletta. talking about on last episode. This one, yeah, was so March. okay, yeah. So, Will, I mean, Will March, obviously, um, you know, is a pretty uh, well-known game designer. Just finished. uh his,
3: not no slouch either.
2: No, I mean, well, I was just gonna say, I was, I was just gonna, you know, say, Pledis, uh did Worldwide Wrestling, mm-hmm. uh, which is um, a fantastic Dungeon wo- uh, Apocalypse World hack. I don't even want to call it hack. Apocalypse World, uh, powered by the Apocalypse game. Yes. It's fantastic. It, it emulates the best things of. Um, of professional wrestling. Anyway, they have a podcast. It's only three episodes in at this point. Mm -hmm. And uh, they are talking about uh, their game design process and kind of the things they go through as uh, they design a game. So um, if you do want to see how the sausage is made, uh,
1: so to speak, uh, that's a, that's a cool podcast to check out.
3: It's quite fascinating. Very nice. Cool.
1: All right, Sean, you're up me. Yeah, we'll we'll save Chris for last. He's got a bunch of them. All
0: right, so I've got a. I'm gonna give credit to Mr. Star Wars, aka Wayne Humfleet, Jawa Humfleet.
3: Hey, hey, can I real quick, Wayne? Because Star Wars,
0: exactly. So Dungeon Painter is a web based map design tool. Very cool. Check it out. Enough said. There you go. Um, Number two d20 stained glass clock or lamp so if you are if you have your own game room and you want to add some additional gaming decor check this out all these links that chris brett and phil that we're talking about tonight will be in the show notes check it out so d20 stained glass clock or lamp the lamp is really cool it's a it's a d20 lamp and I, I'm like, man, that's
1: that's that's kind of cool. That's
0: the bazam.
1: There's something, there's something kind of cool about the D20. Is like the symbol of gaming, just if because of you know where I came from, which is I, shit, I got a tattoo to my leg, so it's it's a cool thing. <laughs> I do. <laughs> Shocker.
3: <laughs>
0: awesome. Chris uh, has like twenty.
3: Well, it's really just two. One of them just has a bunch of stuff with all associated with it. So the first one is uh into the ninth world. It's the new the the most recent Kickstarter for Money Cook Games. It's still going on. Uh, I think when. This comes out, it'll have something like 15 or 16 days left. It's already funded. The three books that are coming out for this, they're all supplements for Numenera. They're Into the Night, Into the Deep, and Into the Outside. Into the Night is about going into space. Into the Deep is about going into the ocean. And Into the Outside is about trans-dimensional travel, which is what I am all about. I really kind of want to pick that up. I, I might at some point. I hope I do.
0: So and, so just for folks that may not be aware, Chris, is this for
3: Numenera or The Strange? No, it's, it's for Numenera. Okay. Yeah, that's why it's Into the Ninth World, because ah, Numenera is their Ninth World stuff.
0: My ignorance there.
3: Although, because the Strange and Numenera are both the Cypher system and Numenera could be a recursion of the Strange, you could also use that stuff for the Strange.
1: That is one of those systems that when I first saw it, I went, eh, I was not wowed at all. And I talked to Frank House last year and a couple other folks, and I'm hearing you guys talk about it. I'm like, God damn it!" It's It's, it's, money, a simple,
3: it's, it's money Cookie. It's yeah. a simple game, but it's really tight. And the way that they're... the Because it's the, it's the guys by... I'm going to just take a second. Sorry, I'm, I'm getting off track here. No, but go, because man, the, go, go ahead, man. Yeah, yes, because, man. It's, go. because it's Monty Cook, who is one of the guys who designed uh, the D20 game. It uh it takes uh, some stuff that you're sort of familiar with, but spins it. Because uh, in, in D20 games, it was about doing all the work beforehand to figure out what your bonus was when you would roll the die. So mm-hmm. there wasn't anything really going on when you rolled your die. Like you already knew that you had your fighter bonus and your power attack thing going on and, and all that stuff was already there. This game lets you tell the story as you're trying to knock the target number down. So that's why it's neat. Cause it lets you spend the points to knock the target number down, add in whatever is going on in the scene. That is an asset to knock the target number down and then you roll the die. So it has a much more uh, narrative feel to it. If you're in- into that.
1: God. Okay, now you got me turned on. All right, I want that. Yeah. yeah.
3: Plus, <laughs> plus, that's on my
2: list. Right. Plus, Monty Cook was uh, so it's Monty Cook for um for Numenera and Bruce Cordell for um for the Strange. But Monty Cook was also one of the um people who worked on Planescape.
3: Yeah. So yes. I mean
2: the 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 actual world of Numenera – is amazing. Is a is amazing.
3: And, and Cordell is an, a, an exceptional writer like just an exceptional writer on his own. Like he did the gates of firestorm peak, but he's also like been working on novels and things like that. The strange is also exceptionally well-written. Yep. I I
0: didn't realize that there was a big difference between Bruce and Monty with those two products.
3: Huh? No. Yeah. I mean, I don't know. The story, the stories is is that, uh, Bruce Cordell, uh, put in his resignation at, at wizards to go be a novelist. And then he, him and Monty are friends from like way back high school Go
1: back way back. Yeah.
3: Yeah. So and Bruce was like, "Well, this is the book that I'm working on. This is the story I'm working on." And and Monty says, "Why don't you come work for me, and we'll turn it into a game."
1: Ah, nice.
3: So and now there's going to be I'm pretty sure there's going to be novels very very shortly. The novels that he wanted to write to begin with from uh, published by Monty Cook Games. Sweet. Excellent. So that's that. Uh, the next thing, uh, Star Wars stuff, because Star Wars, mostly from the, their D23. That's the the uh, the fan club, the Disney fan club, and this is like a convention that they do every year. <sighs> So all sorts of good stuff came out because it's the year of Star Wars. Uh, we found out that Colin uh, Trevorrow, uh, he was the person that directed Jurassic World. He is announced to be the director for Star Wars Episode Nine, which is awesome. Uh, Rian Johnson will direct Episode Eight. He was the guy who did Looper.
0: Hold on now. With Episode Nine, is that going to be
3: the Han Solo pre? No, no, no. The actual Episode Nine. Rogue. Rogue Squadron. Not not Rogue One. That's somebody else. <sighs> This is this is the actual third movie in the in the new trilogy that okay. he's doing. There's
1: so much sexy, cool shit happening there. I'm actually excited about. And Star you're not
3: even Wars. a Star Wars. Geeky. I'm just you saying. Bastard.
1: This is. I, I hated Star Wars for a really long time. I just totally fell off. Like couldn't fucking stand it. And what I'm seeing now, I'm totally on board with this.
3: Yeah, So so Rogue One, the cast was announced, and Donnie Yen, the Hong Kong action superstar, is going to be in the movie, which is amazing. I love Donnie Yen in, in, in Hong Kong stuff. And Alan Tudyk is playing, I believe, the alien that's on the left of the, the promotional poster. Nice! So, that, so uh, you, you get your wash back, all you right. Firefly for, fans. For
0: those that aren't familiar with Alan Tudyk by name, he's Wash in Serenity and Firefly. By
3: the Correct. way, if you haven't seen uh, that movie, uh, the, the, the Two Hicks Versus Evil, he's in was that. It?
1: Yeah, So-and-so versus Evil. God. Yeah,
3: So-and-so versus Evil. That movie's hilarious. There's I, a I second have...
1: one coming. There's a second
3: one coming. I know. I was very yeah, excited. Uh, it's weird how I'm getting to shove all these little things in extra. My bad. That's all right. Uh, Disney also announced a gigantic new Star Wars attraction for the two U.S. theme parks, both in Anaheim and in Orlando. They're going to be 14 acres each there will be disney's largest single themed land expansions ever and there are pieces of concept art that have been released which you can check out because they'll put the link in the show notes i love when i get to say that because then i don't have to put the link in the show notes it makes me so happy <laughs> um so the, the 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 two each will include two signature attractions a, a new star wars planet which puts guests in a battle between the first order and the resistance which i'm assuming is part of the new movies And a Millennium Falcon experience in which guests take controls, take the controls on a customized secret mission. So I get to fly the Millennium Falcon. Are you fucking kidding me? A
0: full-size Millennium Falcon, dude. I would just poop. I I mean, dude. Hey, hey, Disney. Pass out.
3: Hey, clean up aisle seven. Sean just shit his
0: pants. That's awesome.
3: And then there's that killer poster, the 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 promotional poster in the in the oil paints that we all are so fond of and love so much. And it has uh, Ray, the the female lead, Kylo Ren, the Sith Lord. I'm imagining that's a Sith Lord, uh, Finn, the the African American stormtrooper who's holding a lightsaber, so yes. probably force sensitive, and Han Solo, old Han Solo on the on it. So it's awesome. yeah, can't wait. I love Star Wars. So Wayne Humphrey because Star Wars.
1: Absolutely, very right, cool.
3: Good stuff.
1: Thank so, you, Sean. Yeah, I was going to say I think we uh, we've got what what have we got left here. We've got the uh, the report outs from our. Friends out there,
0: yeah, I going to do it out of the outro. Okay. So I yeah. want to just say thank you on behalf <clears throat> of Brett and I for Phil and Chris join you know joining us tonight. Thanks so much for plugging our show. We really really appreciate it. Uh, the jabs that we make are all in good fun because they're much better than us and been around. I mean, age before beauty. No, no, absolutely.
3: We're the podcast that has the better personality. personality. You guys are the better show. Oh, that's (laughs) Oh, Is that how that works? That's how that works.
0: So, this is an episode of Gaming in BS. Phil and Chris. Oh, mic drop. We out.
1: I'm your host, Sean. And I'm Brett. Good night, good game, and all. This is Kevin Keneally, and I
0: want to say congrats to you boys from the motherland of cheese. 50 episodes.
2: Hey guys, this is Roger Bracelet. I just wanted to say congrats on reaching 50 episodes. Oh, and look out behind you. Hey BSers, congratulations on 50 episodes. It felt like so many more than that, but congratulations. Hey Sean and Brett, this is Mac from the Mentally Untable Adventures podcast. Just wanted to wish you congratulations on 50 great episodes. Can't wait to keep listening to more. Also, we started podcasting about one month after you guys, so it's my personal challenge to not podfade until after you guys do. Gauntlet Throne. Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, children of all ages, Joe Swick and the Fans Talk Pro Wrestling podcast would like to congratulate you on 50 freaking episodes! The Rogue Dog, Sean Kelly! The Badass, Brett B! The Gaming and B.S. Podcast! But in all seriousness, guys, congrats. Your show is one I look forward to every week, so keep up the awesome work, and here's to 500 more. Yep, the pressure's on now. Awesome job,
0: guys.
3: Hey, Brett. Hey, Sean. It's Christian from the Savage Bloggers Network. Ron and I just want to say congratulations on episode 50. I've been listening since you guys started, and I'm loving the show. You guys keep me hooked every week. Thanks for a good show, and keep up the good work.
2: Happy 50th. Episode Gaming and BS. This is Nathan Pancake. Said Pankey. You want to say something, Jen? Say happy
3: fiftieth.
2: Happy fiftieth. Gaming and BS.
0: Gaming and BS.
2: Close enough. See you guys. Thank you.
0: Hello, Gaming and BS. Congratulations on fifty episodes. You did it. This is Willow from the Fastcast. We should all get together sometime for a fast cast and BS. And here's to fifty more.
1: Congratulations.
0: Greetings, there from Professor Egghead, as Sean likes to call me, uh, Chris long longtime listener, first time caller. Love the show. Love the banter. Whenever I listen, I feel like I'm right there chatting it up with you guys. Congrats on getting to fifty. May your mics be clear,
1: your drinks be refreshing, your minds be imaginative, your BS be deep, and your big dice roll well. Keep up the great work.
2: Hey guys, it's Michael from Great Out. Congratulations on 50 episodes, and here's to another 50. Keep up the gaming and the bullsh. Wait, am I allowed to say that?